And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Scout. Hi, how's it going, Joe? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm in a conference room in Houston, Texas, in a Marriott hotel. Really? Yes. <laughs> I reserved it last night after our show because <laughs> I have a roommate in my in my room, and I didn't want to uh, have him listen to us. Right, right, right. So you have to reserve. <laughs> so I'm like a businessman in a big conference room by myself. <laughs> Where are you? I'm also in a conference room, clearly. <laughs> With cool um, posters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in my room. I'm in my bedroom in Brooklyn. How's Brooklyn these days? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's New York. It's uh it's it's a lot of fun. It's tiring, it's exhausting, it's mm-hmm. exciting, it's hard. You're from Kansas City, is that right? 
Yep, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. That's where I was born. Uh uh Yep. Really? That's true. But I only lived there for the first year and a half or so of my life. So you remember it very well. Yeah. yeah. Very distinct, rich memories. That's nice. I was born in Topeka, Kansas. Oh, really? Cool. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm a Missouri girl. That's right. You have to designate where you're from, right? Exactly, yeah. In Kansas City. So how long have you been in New York? For five years. What brought you out to the big old city? Well, I'd always wanted to play music and move to New York. My gram and grandfather met at the New York Academy of Performing Arts and lived with Robert Redford. Robert Redford was in their wedding. They just had this Whoa. amazing, crazy story. <laughs> and I always fantasized about living in New York. And then I went to college for music technology at University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg, Missouri. And then in college, I started to learn how to play guitar and was really influenced by Sharon Van Etten and moved by some of her live performances and I started writing my own material and reached out to her on Instagram and thanked her for sharing her songs and said that they really moved me and inspired me to play guitar. And she told me, you know, if I'm ever in New York to hit her up and we can get lunch together. So that's what I did. All right. And I told her my story and she looked at me and said, you should move to New York. And she said, it's going to give you hell. (laughs) And it gave me hell. (laughs) Yeah. Have you been out touring at all this year? Yeah, I went on a tour in August. And that was my first tour since the pandemic. And before in 2019, I was really active with touring. How was the August tour? How is it out there? It was so fun. I mean, I just... I, I love being on the road. It's it's hard, but it's yeah. uh, I, I I enjoyed this tour a lot. It was I run my own booking company, Road Dog Booking, and you know there's a lot of DIY venues and all kinds of different spaces. And I was holding on to it. I was like, this might be my full last Road Dog Booking tour, and coming up is a support tour. So it's the first tour that I didn't fully book myself. All right. Well, um, on October 28th, you have a new record coming out on Captured Tracks, right? 28th. Yeah. And it, yeah. And, and it's called No Roof, No Floor. And um, the title to me suggests um, loss, maybe vulnerability. But I, I think that sentiment coupled with all the sonic openness of the record gives it also an exploratory kind of feeling. And I think that sort of erases any hopelessness. I, you know, that's my experience of the record. Yes. And um, and I want to talk about a few of the songs, but, but first, where were you at? What was your headspace when you started writing this record? I, I appreciate you saying that because I think there is a lot of openness and curiosity in, in the record. And yeah. I was... At a lot of places, like I did have a a lot of heavy losses kind of back to back. And 
I was certainly processing some heavy grievances, but I was also finding myself at a radical pace at that time as well. And I was really exploring. I was really curious. I was really just leaning into anything that felt like life and felt like pulsating and felt like I was experiencing something. And so I really dove into my what I, what, what was interesting to me. And No Roof, No Floor to me also is finding yourself through transitions. And uh-huh. so that's also what the album cover, what the hands are. It's like all these different phases and like you're finding yourself and you're finding your higher self through those transitions. And it's letting go of your past self and letting go of your expectations of your future self. And I spent a lot of time meditating in the ocean during the pandemic. Um, yeah, it was just I, the phrase came to me, no roof, no floor. And I really meditated on what that meant to me and it meant a lot of things because it's also like no heaven, no hell. And there's no, you know, there's sure, no, yeah. no love, no below, you right. know, it's just being present and pushing yourself to be present. Well, it's a beautiful record. I'd like to play um, 44 Marcy Avenue. Sounds good. All right, here we go. Stay inside your own with no way out You put it on to yourself This ain't a game I hide and seek I tried to
man, I love that ending. <laughs> I love the whole song, but that's fun. So um, what's 444 Marcy Avenue? 444 is my angel number that I've seen ever since deciding to move to New York. Mm. And I've always seen it at very bizarre times and places and points. And Marcy Avenue is the avenue where I've had two of my apartments here in Brooklyn. So I just I just sandwiched it together. I yeah. just <laughs> I just made it up. And then it's a real address. So, you know, I wasn't right. stalking anyone there or I don't <laughs> live there. I didn't know. Um, well, I want to hear about The Barn. I read that you recorded this at a place called The Barn. The Chicken Shack in Stanfordville. Oh, all right. Tell me about this place. It looks like an amazing place. It is incredible. It felt a lot like my hometown and my experience growing up in rural Missouri with the open fields and big trees and the chickens and all the animals. And we recorded a lot of it live in a barn. And it was explosive because all of the musicians hadn't played music for eight or nine months in the pandemic. And it was everyone's first Mm. time playing music with other people. So it was out of this world. It was such an explosive, exciting experience. And I'm so happy that I got to capture it, you know. And... The Chicken Shack was amazing. Nick was great to work with. It was, we were there for, it felt like a long time, but I think it was only four or five days, but it felt like weeks. But we might have been there for longer. I I don't know what time was, you know, during the first few years of the pandemic and maybe even still, I've lost all concept of time, but it was a lot of fun. As I mentioned earlier there's there's a lot of openness on this record and um tell me a little bit about tracking how did you track this record we tracked a lot of the songs live in a room together and then i'd go over and redo my vocals at night and i was tracking my vocals in the pitch dark blackness of the barn with the barn doors open looking at all of the stars and oh, the wow. moon and it was so intimate and exactly how I, I I wanted to do it because I with with vocal takes and stuff like that I I want it to be intimate I want it I want to be out of my head I don't like it when people are looking at me I don't like it mm-hmm. when people see me I love performing too and that's a completely different thing but when recording I like to be no one can see me and yeah. there were moments where I felt you know I was just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know in the barn. Um, just with the crickets and that's one of my favorite things about the record is there are audible crickets throughout the whole record Mm -hmm. and i wanted to keep that because one of my biggest influences is amy winehouse's frank and Mm -hmm. she has audible crickets throughout and i don't know if that was a natural or added thing but i was so excited when we listened back to my vocal takes and there were crickets i was like no keep it that's exactly what i want it's funny i i um I mean, I don't sing, but I've been in studios with people that sing a lot, and I can't even think of a time when someone tracked in the dark. I think that's what I would do. Oh, it's like a the great, only way I can great. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want people to see like yeah. how into it I'm getting. It, you know, I because right. I have to get to a really, especially with recording too, and I, I'm learning so much 
through this last year and like getting record ready for the for my second record there there's just a lot of pressure when you go into the studio and that's why I think I've always preferred live performances because I like that there's this you can always top yourself you can always just like read from the crowd and learn new yeah. things and in the studio you have a finite amount of time you're paying someone and <laughs> and you have to get it right with the emotions with where you were at when you wrote yeah. the song with you know translating it, that with every word with every breath and so i i don't want to be distracted by anyone or anything and so i think i'm forever going to re- record my vocals in the pitch darkness just. yeah that's yeah um and one thing about this record, almost on every song, country or folk uh, kind of rears its head. Uh, how does country music play a role in your life? I I was kind of late to the game with country because I, you know, I grew up with my dad, who's just a, a rock and roller, you know, mm-hmm. loves Rush, loves Rush. <laughs> And, and, you know, he always would say, like, country belongs to the devil, you know, or something right. crazy like that. And <laughs> so I it wasn't until I went to college and got to, you know, listen to George Jones, Charlie Rich, Jolly um, Parton, Emmylou Harris, Graham Parsons. Mm-hmm. And my world was rocked because everything – I grew up religious, too, that I liked about, like, Christian pop music – and everything I liked about the blues and, you know, old R&B and stuff like that came into country. And there was just this sad, sweet, somber tone to it. And I, I, I fell in love with it. And I, I love rock and roll and I love country and I love folk music. I yeah. Love- well, and then one of your songs is, well, there's a couple kind of upbeat numbers, if you will. Um, and slow dancing being one of them and that's a to me that's a great mix of you know something that's kind of driving i guess kind of rock and but it still has country you know it has i think slide and stuff in it a a tinge of country and um i haven't heard much of that in a while and it it reminded me that tom petty did that a lot and it's really cool and early cheryl crow too i think she was somehow seeped into my influences i listened to her first record a lot before going to the studio. And I'm like, man, this is underrated. This, this is an amazing piece of work. Great songwriting, great tones all across the board. You know, yeah, it has that drive and it also has this swing to it. And I, yeah, I appreciate those records. And I, I really don't know how the product of what came out fully came out. You know, I think I pulled yeah. so many different inspirations, but I find it to be a compliment when people see me live or hear my music and they're like, I don't know what genre that is. I feel like yeah. that means I've succeeded because that means I found my own and I'm still, you know, finding my own tone and my own sound. The last song I kind of want to talk about is Hush, Stay Quiet, which is a long amazing song that you had to have recorded in the dark you can tell you can tell by listening to it um and longer songs like that that are kind of journeys sometimes they write themselves in the studio or you know you set out to write a long song but mostly in my experience you start with some sounds and next thing you know you're six minutes into some journey sonic journey and that's what that song feels like 
What was your intent with that one? That song really flooded out of me, actually. It's one where I just, like, sat, and I wish this happened every time, even though it's quite exhausting. Uh, I sat down, and it just, the words and the melody of the simple, like, hypnotic part. So the base of just my vocal melody and the words were already written before going into the studio. And I had no idea what to expect. I was like, I know this is a simple little do little thing and all that. And then everyone was really moved by the song and inspired by it. And David Lismy did some amazing stuff. And Zach Janikin, who played for Donald Fagan, who he's the one who played saxophone. And that Mm. was his second take for the saxophone. It was. was I, it is so beautiful. And I feel like he really understood what the message was behind the song. And I think that song is actually the statement for the record. I think that's what the record means to me. And I love that it's the first song on the B side. It kind of, you know, it ends and then it starts with this song and then you get kind of all of my B side material, which can be a little bit slower and more interesting and different Mm -hmm. and not like, you know, not as country, but... Yeah, I love that song, and I'm actually really excited about that song because my band had never played it live since recording it because I couldn't quite figure it out, like how to translate, because so much of that is am- moving ambient noises. and Right. You know, um, but I think we found a way, and it's pretty epic, and it, it's, it goes heavier. It goes harder. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was my next question. Are you playing it live, or are you going to play it live? Because that would be exciting to see that one live at the out the album release show yeah we're playing it where it's making its live debut and i have an amazing saxophone player who's playing for it and yeah we're going we're going hard for it i want to get some stuff on a project i'm yeah i'm i'm trying to figure out how to make it pretty epic right (laughs) all right so and you said you're doing a support tour and that is this fall that is, yeah, in a few weeks, I'm supporting Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. And then I have a string of headlining shows to Kansas City, Chicago, and Detroit. And then I'm going to the West Coast for a solo tour from December 7th to December 18th, all the way up the coast of Seattle. All right. So that's going to be a solo. You mentioned that's going to be solo What's your instrumentation when you're full band? So the full band for the tours I've been doing have just been two guitar, bass, and drums. Uh, I do not have the capacity to bring a pedestal player at the moment. But for my Brooklyn shows, I have been playing with a steel player at every show. And then for solo, it's just me and my guitar. And I haven't fully confirmed if I'm doing it solo, but I think I am because... I did a solo tour on the West Coast a few years ago, and it's it just can be really difficult getting all the gear and rental vehicle. There's just so much that comes into, um, yeah. yeah, you know, the tour stories. And to make it sustainable, <laughs> I think I got to got to hit the road solo, which is exciting. I'm excited about it. Actually. Yeah, that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I just wanted to go back. You have your own – you book yourself um, – and I th- think you book maybe other bands in New York mm-hmm. or shows. No, I book other bands. Um, I book independent tours for oh, artists. Okay. 
All right. And um, I have uh, experience in the DIY booking your own life uh, scene, but I'm completely out of touch. But one thing I was thinking about uh, when I was thinking about you um, booking your own tours is the people that I met when I was doing that a long time ago, I still know. Or, you know, not everyone, but, you know, it's like you make really good friends when you're in that sort of DIY cooperation, like lifetime friends, because you're working on something together, memorable. Yeah, and you're transforming art in communities. I think a lot of what my goal is with Road Dog is to, like, get past the gatekeepers and make them realize why it's so important for touring to happen and for it to be sustainable and for us to all try our best because a lot of venues are like, and it's hard and they've got like, you bring me the bill and you make it great. And it's like, work with me. Let's build a great bill together. You know, the scene more than I do, you know, I'm bringing this great talent here. And so it's, it's been amazing building and finding the right people who are, building shows and making the communities vibrant and sustainable. And yeah, they've been lifetime friends too. Cause I start was involved in the DIY community in Kansas city since I was pretty young, 14 or 15. So I got kind of to see how that lit up my community and changed my life. And I realized Mm -hmm. the impact that it had and just being that role and just being a person of contact that someone can reach out to and like looking for a band here and you just being able to send them resources. It's just a, a, a butterfly effect and it's made my community so lush and diverse. And I, I'm so grateful that that's been my experience and I've had some of the best nights of my life and Tallahassee sure. or Fargo or, you know, it's, yeah. well, I think, you know, as you said that in, it's enhanced your community, but I think it extends further into the music community. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. Keeping it alive. I'm trying. Um, Okay. Well, it was great talking to you. Thank you very much. I want to publicly let everyone know that I fucked up our schedule yesterday because I'm traveling and I got my times mixed up and I flaked on you. I didn't flake on you. I was confidently sitting in my room going, Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good listening to your tunes. Meanwhile, you were sitting in this session waiting for me. Sorry. It's fine. I went to the city. I went, I did an improv. I was like, you know what? Maybe today's just like, and I, I hadn't been to the city in a few months. And All right. That was so, it was fun. What'd you do? Work. I got this hat, which is All so All right. Cool. And I got ice cream. And I walked around and didn't listen to any music. I was just eavesdropping on other people, and I had a lot of fun. All right. My mistake was fruitful. It I was. Ice it cream. Was. and Okay. Well, again, uh, <laughs> great talking to you. And uh, when you travel, travel safe. Thank you. All right. And take it easy. Maybe I'll see you in Seattle. Yeah. I'll look for you. All right. Bye. Bye.